I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a former midwife who left the system and I'm now the proud founder of Sacred Birth International a woman-owned company with a mission to revolutionize the birth world and bring focus to the sacred and the natural intelligence of the birth process. We do this by providing world-class education, courses, programs and coaching to equip women with the knowledge and the tools to have conscious pregnancies, empowering and positive birth experiences and the most nourishing start possible for themselves and their babies postpartum. We also educate and mentor aspiring birth workers into sacred space holders and physiological birth advocates in the sacred birth worker mentorship, the Beyond a Doula training. If you'd like to work with me or take any of our courses, programs, or the mentorship, then head on over to sacredbirthinternational.com to find out more. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Emma back. Emma is a meditation and yoga teacher, as well as an author, podcaster, mentor and speaker from Byron Bay, Australia, and now a mama of two. Emma was on the potty in May 2022, sharing her first fast, empowering home birth in the episode, Breaking Ancestral Patterns and Choosing Home Birth. Now she's back breaking all the assumptions about second births being faster and easier because this one was longer and harder, but still so amazing with so much wisdom for her mama years as a mama of two. Emma shares this journey so openly and honestly, giving you so much pearls of wisdoms. I believe you're going to love this story. Curious about Emma? Find her on Instagram as Emma Maidment. Hi, Emma, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm really great. Thanks for having me back. Such a pleasure. I, um, I think it's been almost two years since you were on sharing your first story is that correct I think it has been two years yeah probably two years and then um yeah you came over and jumped on my podcast probably about a year ago now so yeah it's like time just really flies 
such a time warp right now. Time really does. It has sped up, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And so much mm. happens just in a month. It feels almost like half a year or something sometimes. So much happens, right? You are telling me. Yes, <laughs> seriously. Crazy. Well, I'm so glad you're coming back. And I can't wait to hear your birth story, your second birth story. We're going to dive on into your second birth story today. So for anyone who's curious, there is another birth story, your first, that they can listen to. Probably, yeah, it probably was aired about one and a half or something years ago, I think, on the podcast. So we'll link mm. it in the show notes for anyone who wants to hear the first story. But we're going to dive on in straight into it, into your second. So mm. do you want to share with us what's your second planned? Was it a conscious conception? Was it a, oh, here, here we go. Here's another one on the way wanting to come through. How was your conception story? Yeah, it's actually quite interesting. So it actually started with a loss, which was not planned. So we'd always kind of left the door open. We'd, we'd said that, you know, that kind of classic two and a half year-ish gap between kids, we thought, all right, maybe maybe in the next six to 12 months, we'll, we'll start trying again. And yeah, then surprise, that happened. The exact same thing happened with my first. As soon as we opened the door, it was like, boom, he was there. And so I found out I was pregnant and just didn't kind of feel real from the very beginning. And then, yeah, that result, that pregnancy resulted in a, in a loss. And then I just didn't, I started feeling good about two weeks after that and then not feeling good again. And I'm like, something's wrong. And all my girlfriends were saying to me, you know, it takes a long time to recover from a miscarriage. It's really normal to feel the way you're feeling. And I was just like, nah, I, I, I hadn't had the experience before, but I knew that something had something was just not quite right. And so I actually went and got some blood tests done because I'm thinking like maybe there's something more sinister going on. And then while I was waiting for the results, my, my husband actually said to me, he's like, I actually think you're pregnant. Like my symptoms started shifting and he's like, I think you're pregnant. And yeah, it turns out I'd fallen pregnant two weeks after the miscarriage, which is just a massive like emotional roller coaster to kind of get your head around. Yeah. And I think for me, knowing what I know about preconception, I was like, oh, well, this is not ideal because I was still breastfeeding. I'd just gone through a loss. So my body and hormones and everything, I was feeling all over the place. And so yeah, I found that was really challenging because I'm I'm someone that's very big on nutrition and all those kinds of things. And so I was feeling like I was on the back foot a little bit going into that, just but obviously it was, you know, divine intervention that baby needed to come through at that time. And yeah, so it was it was a very big emotional roller coaster to go from surprise, you're pregnant, and then grieving, and then pregnant again in the space of literally a month. Like it, it's just it was such a roller coaster of emotions. Right. Was your miscarriage an early miscarriage or how far along were you? Yeah, it was very it was it was probably about five weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's still hard. Any time is hard, but yeah, 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 yeah. Any time is hard, but it yeah, it was just it was more that just total roller coaster of emotion that you that you go on, and yeah. So that took me a long time to kind of get my head around: is this actually happening now, and when what's going on? So yeah, once I settled into that, then you know things flowed along. Beautiful. And with your second, was there a difference in how you were planning for your home or for your birth? So I wanted to have the exact same birth <laughs> that I had the first time around, which I obviously knew wasn't going to happen, but we home birthed our first and yeah, you can go back and listen to the first episode, but 
in a nutshell, it was such a dream birth experience. It was eight hours. It was, you know, born at home in the water, fairly effortlessly. And I was like, cool, if we can just rinse and repeat that experience, that would be great. And we had the same midwife. So my beautiful midwife, Libby, who I also believe you've had on here at some point or other people have worked with her, but I literally, she was one of the first people I called straight away. I was like, what are you doing on this day? I think I might be due around this time, but who knows? So yeah. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to support you. And so, yeah, we kind of just planned that very similar birth team second time around and yeah, envisioned the same home birthing in water was always kind of my vision for the birth. Beautiful. So is there anything you'd like to share with us about your pregnancy with your second or do you want to dive straight on into the birth story? Um, I'll just say it was very challenging in the early stages to be, I was very, very morning sick and having a toddler that was at the time still breastfeeding, which was very challenging um, on all levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I was really pushed. And then he just decided to self-wean at around three and a half to four months into the pregnancy, just randomly woke up and decided he was done, which was a great result because I was very done and just wanted a little bit of space for myself. Mm. But that once I got that second trimester energy in, I was fine. But it is, it is a very different experience being pregnant the second time around when you do have a toddler and you're trying to keep up with their energy. And, you know, I think I look back on my first pregnancy and I was like a pregnant goddess laying around the beach and swimming and doing yoga all day, meditating and just like, oh, this is so amazing. I'm just like a pregnant goddess. And second time around, you're like playing Play-Doh and covering kids' snacks and not being able to rest whenever you want to rest. So it was definitely a a much more, yeah, just just a different experience, but it also made me very grateful for the first experience that I've had. So if you're listening to this as a first time mama, like lap it up as much as you can, all those beautiful slow moments that you can get, because yeah, once you start adding more children to the pile, those little moments are, are few and far between. Mm, I think every mother shares your view on that. And um, (laughs) I love that you share that because it can be, in our modern world, a lot of women might not take that time to really indulge in their first pregnancy and take the time and really, yes, soak it all up. And I hope anyone listening Mm. who is a first-time mama take, you know, heeds to your advice of, really soak it in do you want to share how old was your uh toddler when he then self-weaned so he would have been just he'd been like two and three or four months yeah just after he turned two right yeah because a lot of women in my in my village are talking about this the best way to you know gently wean you know their toddlers Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a struggle for most to to find that way of doing it, and mm-hmm. seems like the self weaning is is you know what happens anyway somehow without it being too much of a struggle. To try to I I was um I tried at one point to wean him, and I just could I just could tell that it wasn't the time. It was causing too much strain for both of us, so I surrendered to it, and he went boob crazy I was thinking oh my gosh this kid he was like it was like he was cluster feeding I'm like you're two and a half you're eating food you're fine but and and he did that so if anyone's listening to this going is my kid ever going to wean I thought he became a booby fiend and then literally went from fiend to cold turkey nothing like it was he just woke up one day and said boobies are empty and they weren't and I'm like oh okay and he was done and 
so that was it. So I just, I, yeah, I think that it does. There is just this point where, and maybe something changed in my milk supply because yes. of the pregnancy, like, you know, that's entirely possible, but he just decided he was done. And that process then became so much easier because I wasn't, you know, trying to, you know, pull him away in that sense. He was, he was ready. And then I was obviously very ready. So we were just, we just, you know, started to find comfort in other ways. Mm, beautiful. It does, you know, your milk does change, especially if you come closer to mm. birth, you know, you go into that colostrum producing compared to what you would have done for him before that. And the milk mm. with him would have changed throughout the years as well and through the months as he was growing and coming older. So fascinating breast milk, how it changes to mm. be exactly what that baby needs, right? When they're a toddler, they don't need a lot. Mm. Uh, you know, it's more yeah. for comfort, right? And also immunity definitely changes if he's sick or your baby's sick. It changes the milk, which is amazing. But something does happen in pregnancy. And, you know, some mm. some toddlers don't mind uh, and some will self-wean because of it. So that's interesting. Who knows? Yeah. Hen or the egg. Why did he do it? Great that he did it. Yeah, You got your boobs to yourself <laughs> for a few months before the next came along. <laughs> Literally. I was like, I just want a few months of someone not sucking on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's dive on into your backstory now. Did you have... Any yeah. early signs of labor approaching for you at all, or did it come on with a bang? So it's quite interesting because everyone, because of my first birth experience, everyone, even our midwife was saying, I think you need to prepare for a really fast birth because your first birth was really fast and easy. And, you know, statistically, it's kind of like the second baby comes. And I'd had a few friends who'd birthed in the months before me who had that experience. They, most of them accidentally free birthed, like the baby came in, like, it was like a two hour thing. So that was kind of playing through my mind, but I've always, with any birth preparation, both my partner and I have always prepared for a marathon because it just feels like prepare for a marathon and then be happy with a sprint kind of thing. And so, Whilst I was mentally prepared for a marathon, I also had all these voices in my head of like, it's going to happen really fast. And so once I started experiencing those first signs of labor, it wasn't super hard and fast, but it was definitely a shift. Like I, it was, you know, it wasn't just like a Braxton Hick. And I had in my first um, birth experience, I had pre-labor for like a week. So I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, it could just be nothing. And so I kind of ignored it for a, you know, for a little bit and then those um, surges, those contractions started to just intensify a little bit. And then I had what, what at the time I thought was a little bit of a show. And so I thought, okay, that's happened. We could be on here. And so texted my midwife, like told her what was happening. And, you know, like it's that kind of cool, let's just watch and wait, see how you go. And so went and saw my partner and was like, look, this has just happened. We like this, this we could be on. I don't know. And so went to bed that night and just kind of like nothing really happened. Woke up the next morning and that's when contractions started kind of really happening. And I thought, okay, we're going to have a baby today. Like we're on. And so, you know, he stopped, he finished up with his clients and we just had a nice family day at the house with the toddler. And we had a few little things that we wanted to do with him. So we baked a birthday cake together for the baby and, just a few like songs and activities and things that we were kind of doing. And we actually had just like this really nice kind of family day. And in my mind, I was thinking, cool, he'll go to bed tonight. I'll have the baby. He'll wake up in the morning. He'll have a brother. Like we'll, we'll, we'll be sweet. 
And so, yeah, that was kind of like the first stages and, and, and that, how that day played out. So I'm not someone that typically times contractions, but I would say they were probably maybe every like 10 to 12-ish minutes apart. So not super, super close, but like close enough that in my mind I'm thinking, okay, there's definitely something happening here. And so I put my toddler to bed and I said to my husband, like, can you take a photo? Like, this is out is my last time putting him to bed, you know, before I have a baby. Like it felt really, I was excited because really excited to to go back into that birth portal. And I put him to bed. And the 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 backstory to all of this was I was very sick. I had a really, really bad um flu. So there'd been a lot of things happening in the background with my business and some work stuff happening that like was quite stressful to be honest and so I was very run down it was like I was excited for birth but I was also thinking oh no this is not the most ideal time because I can't breathe through my nose I'm quite congested like I wasn't 100% healthy Mm. but I was like it's okay I can do this you know I'll be fine my body will just you know magically kick into gear and so yeah that's the backstory so yeah put my toddler to sleep and then went into what I thought would be the night that we birthed. Um, Do you want me to just kind of keep going on this trajectory? Yeah, tell us the story just in your own words. Yeah. Yeah. I put him to bed and went downstairs and, you know, my partner was like, you know, how are you? What's going on? I was like, oh, I think you should just, you know, get some rest. We'll just rest and kind of see what happens. And so I started, you know, just putting the finishing touches on the birth altar and making sure we didn't fill up the pool at that point, but just making sure the, you know, the fairy lights were there and just like kind of just finessing around the birth space. And the contractions were, again, still quite regular, but nothing super, super, super intense just yet. And so it got to about midnight and I'm thinking, well, like it hasn't really progressed a huge amount. So maybe I'll go to bed with him and just rest because I I was just really enjoying being in the energy of it was quiet and just having the house to myself but I thought oh you know what it's getting pretty late this isn't really progressing I I should rest so I went and lay in bed with him and then I think I fell into a kind of ish sleep and then I heard my toddler wake up and as he woke up and I was walking up the stairs my I could feel the contractions coming on more and more and more and I'm like oh this is starting to progress but then of course the toddler that normally takes two seconds to, you know, give him a little pat and he goes back to sleep, took an hour (laughs) to go back to sleep. And I was like, oh, so that slowed things down once again. And he only wanted mummy. He wouldn't go with dad. Like All these kind of unusual things. I was like, okay. This episode is sponsored by Needed, a beautiful woman-owned leading women's health supplement brand founded by two mamas who were shocked when they realized that 95% of women who actually take a prenatal vitamin have nutrient deficiencies. And it's shocking that this is the state of most of us in our current modern world. But our soils are depleted and so our foods are not as nutrient dense and who really eats all their greens every day? I've been extremely hesitant to recommend supplements because most of them are just expensive pee. The cheap one you buy at your chemist is most likely not bioavailable, meaning your body just can't absorb most of it, if any. I truly haven't found any other supplement brand that I would ever recommend to any of my clients, friends, or use myself than needed. 
I myself use their multivitamins, both in capsule form and in powder form, depending on what I feel like that day. I also use their pre and probiotics and collagen powder. I know it's clean, high quality and beyond organic and I can feel how my body absorbs it. With Needed, you get real nourishment for every phase of your life. Whether you're thinking, trying, are pregnant or in your postpartum or deeper into your mama years. With the code the Natural Birth Podcast, you can save 20% off your first order. Go to thisisneeded.com via the link in the show notes to get the automatic discount on their website. So yeah, by this stage, it was like, yeah, the early hours of the morning and they started to progress once again. And I was like, okay, cool. Yep. This is like, it's coming back. This is great. And I was getting in and out of the shower at that point. I just, I love water when I'm laboring. It's just, it's my, my thing. And so I was getting in and out of the shower and we'd only just moved into the house that we were living in a few months before. It had been a big journey in the background, but behind scenes of all of that. But we finally moved into this house and so we weren't familiar with the hot water system. And so a few hours into getting in and out of the shower, I'm like, hmm, the, the hot water's not working. And my partner's like, what? He was about like a third of the way through filling up the birth pool at this point. And he's like, oh, shit, the hot water's run out. Okay. And I and he said by that point, he said he looked at my face and I just like, he's like, it's like your heart sunk. And you, he's like, I could tell that you were thinking, how on earth am I going to do this without water? Like, cause I just like the pool, the warm water, like that is my comfort and what I associate with birth. And so I just had this feeling of like, oh no, how am I going to do this without? So he was like, don't worry, it's okay. So he's madly like filling up hot water on the stove to tip into the pool. And I was just kind of at that point, like, oh my God, this is just not going to plan. <laughs> but just, you know, rolling with it as much as I could. And then things kind of continued to progress again, that the, the contractions ramped up a bit. We were texting our midwife and she, by accident, again, cascade of situation here, had ended up at another birth. A colleague of hers was supposed to be taking this woman to a hospital birth and she didn't want to go to hospital and so she didn't have any of her kit. So my midwife would happen to be nearby and dropped over to help and ended up getting pulled into assisting a second birth. So she was like, look, I'll come over and see you. So she arrives at like three in the morning. She's been up all night. And so she called the second midwife, her backup, who normally, you know, in I don't know what it's like around the world, but in Australia, that backup midwife doesn't normally come right until like the pushing stage. So she kind of called her early because she knew that she'd been up all night and probably needed a few hours rest. So she was like, I'll, I'll call her in. You'll have someone. Anyway, second midwife ar arrived. By this stage, it's like early hours of the morning. And I was starting to feel like it was really, really, it was progressing. Um, it was getting faster. And I was like, okay, I'm in the pool. I was feeling like this, this is, this is going to be happening. I can't remember what it's called, but the line that you get up your butt crack. <laughs> is there a professional term for that? The purple line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, sure. that's how pro uh, professional it is. It is purple, so it's called the purple line. <laughs> right. The purple line was all the way up. I felt, I mean, I didn't I didn't want to be checked, but I felt like I was fully dilated and ready to go, but I still had, my water still hadn't broken properly. Mm -hmm. So I'd had a little bit of a trickle, which I 
which I thought maybe that could be it. But my first time around, they exploded and he was born eight hours later. So I was experiencing this pressure that I didn't have in my first labor. And it was really frustrating because I was like, I know that I can work with these surges, but I can't get this, like, I can't look at this pressure. It was just so uncomfortable. And so the second midwife came in who I hadn't met before, and she was absolutely lovely. Like this is nothing against her, but she just had a very different style of midwifery. So my beautiful midwife Libby is very hands-off, very, I know her very well. She's like a little bit of a fly on the wall. She'll come in if she needs to or if we've asked. And this other midwife was beautiful. And for some people, she would be their dream midwife, but she was like, you can do it. You're a goddess. You're amazing. And she was rubbing my back. And I was like, get off me. Like, uh, I just, I just did not respond. I don't respond to that at that style at all. And she was like, okay, so you guys should be doing some nipple stimulation and you should be kissing. And I was like, lady, I am a snotty mess. The last thing I want to do right now is make out awkwardly with my partner. Like it just, things started to derail basically. And from the, from the toddler waking up to the water anyway, so that she, that was kind of happening. And then of course my toddler woke up again and I was like, oh God. So he woke up again and mentally I thought maybe he's woken up because he knows something is, is happening. And then because he was awake and because the second midwife was there and I kind of just wanted my space, I started to put this pressure on myself to try and force things mm. to hurry up. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to like start like let's do this. I'm like I can obviously not, but, yeah, I can just like magically just have this baby now because I've decided that. And so that obviously didn't happen. So it got to about 7.30 in the morning. We had been going all night in very, very active labor. And and I at that point, I'm like, you know what, we need to call in support for our toddler because it was pulling me out at that point of being able to be in. And I sat down and had a chat with my midwife. And I was like, I feel like I could have had that baby last night, but all these things happened that really stalled that process. Mm. And she was like, yeah, I absolutely can see everything that's played out. She was like, you just, you're really unwell. You just need to rest as much as you can and just kind of basically wait for it to start again. So I was thinking, I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to do, I have to get to that point again. But I was like, okay, this is, this is it. And this is so different to my first experience. And so we called in, my beautiful sister came to look after my toddler so that I could just, because he'd by that stage, he'd been up since like four o'clock in the morning. He was tired and cranky and hungry and all those things. And at this time, had your contractions petered off? So it sounds like they yeah. slowed down or even disappeared, did they? Yeah. They didn't disappear, but they slowed back down. So they went back to how they started probably like 10 minutes apart. Yeah. Um, and that is, I so love this that was, you're sharing this because it's, it's so helpful for women, you know, because this is the thing. We are such sensitive beings, our hormones, the delicate birthing hormones, and especially because you were unwell. And for some women, you were sick, mm -hmm. but for some women, it might be that they have prodromal labor for days. And so you go in, in, in these physiological like pauses where the body's just like, okay, break 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 need a rest mm. and mm -hmm. if you do listen to that and you do have a break and you sleep which this is not what happens in hospitals mm. by the way but if you're having a home birth mm. this is great right you have a midwife who knows about physiology you just have a break and you sleep then most likely it will all kick back up again but i understand your frustration mm. and you're going like what 
<laughs> I was so frustrated. And and lucky that, you know, I did have a beautiful midwife that understood that. And she she knew what I'd been, because she, you know, through our visits, she knew what I'd been dealing with, with on a work sense and everything else in the background. So we had a really beautiful chat. And she was like, you have had so much going on. And she knows that I know how important rest is. Like I'm a meditation teacher. I teach this stuff. Like it is, I I a hundred percent knew that what I was doing was not ideal going into um birth like I was aware of it and so I said to her I was like I know there's just been so many things that have happened that have been outside of my control and I really just need to rest and just let this all go and so she was like I'm going to send the second midwife home I'm not going to call she could tell what would happen what was happening there as well she's like I'm not going to bring her back until the last second and I'll just ask her to be a little bit more hands-off and she's like and I'm not going to come back like you guys have got this you're fine I'm not going to come back until you absolutely need me to come back because I can tell that you're feeling observed and that you're putting pressure on yourself to speed things up because you're like well everyone's tired so like let's just get it done and she's like you know that birth doesn't work like that and I was like yeah I know that so that just took a lot of pressure off me to go okay everyone's gone my toddler is being cared for and then having him cared for allowed me and my partner to just be together so we both just laid and slept and cuddled and I didn't really sleep because those like the contractions were still quite regular at that point but I I rested I just kind of laid in a restful state listening to music and just enjoyed that um and then it was actually really beautiful because as the contractions that day started to amp up again my toddler was coming in and out of the birth space, like, you know, bringing me water, rubbing my back, and then able to be distracted by a truck or something and go back off and play with his aunt. And he just, he kind of flowed in and out. And it just allowed my partner and I to actually have what was a very beautiful, intimate day together. Like after that long, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't made the birth playlist that long. Cause I guess I didn't expect, you know, it ended up being a 29 hour labor. I didn't expect that. And I, and I said to him, I was like, we need to turn this music off. I cannot listen to this song right now, like switch it up. And so we just played some more like, yeah, just, I guess more like pop music or something. Can we dance together and just had these very beautiful organic moments where we were like singing songs and reminiscing about moments in our relationship and moments in our parenting journey. And we cried a lot. Like we had this beautiful cathartic labor that we didn't have. I guess the first time was so beautiful, but it was so fast that we didn't even get to dance to our favorite song. You know, all those visions that I'd had in my mind of, you know, you see these images of beautiful connected partnerships during birth. And we just, we got to yeah, dance and cry and tell jokes and just it was yeah it was like a I was like it's the probably the longest amount of one-on-one time we've had since having our toddler because it was just we we're just in that together and so that was obviously what we needed and that was so beautiful because all the pressure had gone it was just us and yeah so that was just a really really nice day and we just the, the contractions progressed and it was quite funny because my beautiful sister is quite clinical she's an occupational therapist she's very clinical so I could hear her in the background timing the contractions and she'd be playing with my toddler going 10 minutes seven minutes six minutes and so I was like stop doing that because you're pulling me out of being in my body but also okay the fact that she's doing that is telling me that things are obviously progressing and so she had to leave um she had a prior commitment and then my another beautiful friend of mine came in and she was just so like she's a mama, she's a kinesiologist. She's a, she can read the room very, very well. And she just took the, my beautiful son, put him to bed. 
he went happily with her. Like all like at that point, I was thinking that's surprising. Like he normally would only want mum or dad, but he was so happy to go with her. And just I could tell that he knew something big was happening, but he was also so tired. So he happily went to bed. And at that point, my waters still hadn't broken. And I was just like, this is so frustrating. And it was causing me to start to doubt myself. So I was starting to think, is something wrong? Like, is this baby stuck? Have has have has he turned? Like, is there because the pressure I was getting was just all in my hip flexors, which wasn't my experience in my first birth. I felt like I couldn't work with the contractions in any way. And so I was like kind of holding on through them, but not feeling like I could harness them and work with them. And it was just getting me like so frustrated. And so yeah, there was so many moments where I was just like having to go into such a deep space within. And it's quite interesting because in the background, since my first birth, I've been running these beautiful containers called The Thriving Mama. And it's all about accessing your power as a mother. And I really thought that I knew that work and was embodied in it. And this birth, it was like it said to me, all right, you want to preach this stuff? Like you got to, you got to go there. And so it pushed me into such a dark and confronting space of, do I actually trust my body? Do I actually trust my intuition? Like those things are easy to say on the other side of a beautiful, blissful first home birth. But when you're faced with challenge, do you really believe it? And I had these moments of thinking, yeah, do do I? Can I? Am I okay? Is the baby okay? Like I had to very much confront do I really trust myself? And obviously I had a beautiful mid, I wasn't free birthing, you know, I had a beautiful midwife that was, that came back at that point. Um, when the, when the sun had gone down, she, she arrived probably about 5 PM and I was like deep, deep going into the portal at that point. And she was just reassured. She's like, baby's heartbeats are reassuring. Like she was just, she was just assuring me like the baby's fine. This is just you, like you need to do your thing. And so she just, again, just stood back. And by that point, I was feeling very beaten up. I was like, I am, I've been super unwell. I'm exhausted. I've been going now for, that was like 28 hours of very, very little rest in between, you know, everything that was happening. And I just, I was, I, I started to, obviously I was going through transition, but have that crisis of confidence. I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And and even my partner, he said, he thought in, in reflection, he's like, I actually thought at one point, is she going to call this? Is she going to like want to transfer or something? Like he, he'd never considered that because he knew my thoughts on it, but he was like thinking, oh my gosh, like she might, she might be pulling up like stumps here. Cause I was just like, this is so much harder then first birth and he pulled me in and it's actually it's actually on film which is so beautiful and he just like pulled me in like eyebrow to eyebrow and he was like you are a freaking thriving mama close your eyes and go into the portal you know what to do and it was like he just gave me the permission of like him holding that I get goosebumps I want to cry even saying it but it he he was so in trust and he just knew you have got this. You just need to know that you've got this. Are you planning on becoming pregnant this year? Maybe you've already been trying for a while or you're in the planning stages. Then the Conscious Conception program might be for you. 
The Conscious Conception program is for you who want to truly optimize your health and the future health of your baby. And prepare body, mind, heart and soul to become the best mother you can be for your spirit baby. The program will be given over 12 weeks with bite-sized video lessons teaching you years of fertility and conception knowledge in an easily digestible way without the overwhelm. Each week you'll be introduced to a new easy practice or lifestyle change that you, together with a conscious conception sisterhood, can implement and finally make into your normal daily routine without the struggle of trying to do all the good things, all at once and all by yourself. Each week you'll meet with me and the same group of women that will be doing these lifestyle changes and conscious conception preparations together. For 12 weeks you'll get my undivided attention and expert advice at our live calls as you're introduced to new information and practices to take you closer to conceiving your spirit baby. There's lots that can be done on a physical level in optimizing egg quality and creating a fertile womb soil. But being as this is a conscious conception program, we go so much deeper than that. We dive into the mind, heart and soul part too. With spiritual practices for fertility and conception, connection with your spirit baby, becoming the mother you want to be for your future child, meditation practices, womb awakening practices, mindfulness practices, and feminine embodiment practices, to name a few. If this program has sparked your curiosity, then head on over to sacredbirthinternational.com or click on the link in the bio to find out more. For this first round, starting on the 2nd of April, I'm offering this program at a heavy discount, only for this first round. So if you're planning to become pregnant this year and really want to optimize your chances, as well as prepare to be the mother you wish to be for your spirit baby, then this is your invitation. And so I closed my eyes and then this, I don't even know, this wild energy came over me and I sprung out of the pool. I got on all fours and I started forcing myself to projectile, like to vomit. So I was just like violently vomiting. And as I was violently vomiting, I was squirting waters out. Like I was on all fours. And I think I said to my partner, I'm like, I'm squirting, but not in a fun way. And he was like, are you making a joke right now? <laughs> and it I, I can't even describe why I did that I, it was just an instinct thing I just vomited and I could feel the beautiful second midwife who was a very compassionate person she was like oh oh honey like she wanted to just come in and like rub my hair but she also was like no 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 just stay back like, like let her do her thing and I just like vomited and vomited and vomited and my waters just went squirt 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 and then I just jumped again intuitively back into the pool and the sack came out just went it actually felt like a head leaving me and I was like was that a baby <laughs> and Libby's like no I actually think that that was your waters like that looks like you know all the fluids and stuff and so and then as soon as that happened everything relaxed like my whole body just softened and it was like I'm like 
that's the feeling I have been waiting for for the last 29 freaking hours. And then as soon as that happened, boom, he was down um, and started crowning. And that's when I said to my partner, because my toddler, had he'd been watching a lot of home birth videos with me. He really wanted to be a part of it. Like he was so excited for it. So then I was like holding the head in and I was like, quick, go and get River. So he runs in and River's like asleep, a bit dazed, and his daddy picks him up and runs out. He's like, your brother's your brother's coming. And so he's sitting on the edge of the pool and, yeah, and then the rest of it, like he just, he came out probably about a minute from the, when my waters actually broke to the actual birth and he came out just beautiful, effortless, effortlessly, and I just scooped him up onto my chest. And yeah, there's it, there's a video of it. And my toddler actually says, great job, mama. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and so he came up, you know, covered in vermix. He wasn't crying at that point, And I could tell he was a bit congested. And again, this like instinct just came over me. And I just put my mouth over his nose and his mouth and just did this big suck and then spat it out. It's very attractive on film. <laughs> And clear, <laughs> just me go, um, cleared his lungs and he started crying and it was like, oh, great, happy days. And it just, for me, it was this feeling of like, I actually can do it. And I actually, like, I felt so empowered. And even though it was so hard and challenging and I had to confront so many things inside of myself, like, that feeling at the end was actually way more rewarding than my first birth because I I had to go into like the depths of the darkness and I was like at one point begging the birth portal. I was like, just open for me, like come on, just take me. I'm so ready. And then, yeah, that feeling of like, oh, my God, I did it. I did something I actually didn't thought, didn't think I could do. Like I I'd started to lose that confidence and then, yeah, to just, have it come back and have that baby in my arms was like, oh my gosh, I actually, like I just went through a whole marathon and here we are, we did it. And yeah, little beautiful baby Osha came out. Wow. What a story. There's so much <laughs> I love about this story. As you've been speaking, I've just been, you know, thinking about like for once, like how great it is to share a story where it's the opposite, where you have a longer journey, more challenging second birth where, you know, yes, most women will have like half of the time of the first, right? But not everyone. And it also shows that, you know, you know how we say that the birth you have shows you what kind of mother this baby needs and what kind of mother your babies need, mm -hmm. right? And here you are adding a second baby to your family. And it's going to be, you know, not straightforward. It's going to be curveballs here and there, right? And there's going to be distractions and it's going to take you away from mm -hmm. your center and you have to come back in. And, and all of this happened throughout your labor so clearly how everything was like, you had this vision, but then you were sick and this has happened and you weren't prepared and it happened anyways. And like motherhood, right? Motherhood, especially with a toddler and a baby. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah. like amazing. And I love that. I love the wisdom of the birth imprinting and how it also informs you of the mother that you're, you know, called into mm. being like to handle, handle the chaos that mm. is like normal life as a mother of two. Yeah. And, uh, and then when you shared about yeah. your, you know, your husband calling you back in. Mm. Like I got goosebumps. I got teary eyed as well when you spoke of yes. that. <laughs> and, you know, it just reminds us all of the power that 
somebody in the birth space, whether it's your husband, your midwife, you know, your doula, whoever is there for you, what power that is, like how, Mm. you know, intuitively knowing like he did in that moment, what he needed to say to call you back in and how powerful that was, how that just clicked for you, Mm. like something deep inside Mm. you just clicked and bam, you were on and then you birthed your baby. Mm. Yeah, it's, it really does you know, make you conscious of who you have in that birth space and what that looks like because he obviously knows me so well and he knows the style of birthing and what I need in those really, really hard moments. And, you know, it was it was even interesting to reflect on, you know, my beautiful friend who I mentioned that came at the end to be with my toddler. At one point she was with me when my um, hubby had to go and just quickly like settle river again. And she, it's her reflection. She was beautiful. I felt like she held space beautifully, and she had a few homeopaths and things. And she was just like, "Do you want me? Do you want this on your head?" Like she was just very gentle. But she said that she realized in that moment the weight of holding space in birth. Like when we've ch- chatted about it afterwards, you know, she was saying she was like, "Oh my gosh, I I realized like I just wanted to help you. I just wanted to say all these things, but I also knew that." like that wasn't what you needed and she's like it was you realize that it really does take us either a skilled person or someone that knows you very 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 intimately to know what you need in those moments and how perhaps if you don't have that if you were maybe in like a hospital environment with change of shifts and different people and you know even me for the different style of the second midwife coming in how quickly that can derail your experience and was that, you know, we had a chat afterwards with our midwife and she was just explaining what would have happened if I had a birthed in the system mm-hmm. and how, like, my birth probably would have gone, even just from telling them about that original show that I had, which was, like, almost three days before. She's like, they wouldn't have let you do that. Like, it's just. Yeah. And so that made me think, like, wow, isn't it so wild that that whole process but yeah anyway I mean for us it it was just it then became this beautiful celebration like I got out of the pool I still had the placenta at that point because I was encapsulating it so I had to birth it out of the water and we had the birthday cake I birthed the placenta actually and it was quite funny because my toddler was amazing like he was all about birth until the placenta came out and he just looked at it and was like I don't love it and started crying We're like, it's okay, sweetie. It's a, it's kind of a weird thing to experience your upper center coming out of mummy. He was like, <laughs> so um, yeah. But he, but then he brought out the birthday cake for his brother, and we sang happy birthday, and that was just so beautiful. To then, you know, that was a, it's a. If you're listening to this as a second time mama, like that's a really beautiful ritual, like because he obviously knows what a birthday and a birthday cake is. So then he was like excited to have cake and. You know, it was like eight o'clock, seven o'clock at night at this point. So he's like, "This is great! I got woken up out of bed. I now got a brother. I'm having birthday cake. Like this is this is awesome." And that was just such a beautiful way to end that whole experience. To then have that birth team, you know, my beautiful friend, the the midwives, my partner, and and our our two sons just having cake and drinking tea and just being like, "Whoa, what what just happened over that in the last few days?" Like. Yeah, that was a really, really nice ending. And then getting into bed, you know, the four of us as a family was really beautiful. My midwife actually took a photo and she said this is her favourite part of home births is watching particularly second or third time. She's like seeing the whole family just cosy up on that first night and and go to bed. And that was, yeah, it was like this really special moment of like, whoa, here we are, This this is happening. So, yeah, there was a lot of... There's a lot of beauty in that, in those after moments as well, of just 
you know, that initial breast crawl and skin on skin and all of those things. Um, and, and, and it was interesting, like I think first time around birthing, I was like, I'm not going to shower. I'm going to let my natural pheromones, like I was all about that. And this time around I was like, said to my husband after probably about two hours on the couch with the baby I was like can you take him now for skin to skin I I need a shower and that shower to me was just like ha (laughs) it's like the only way I can describe it just to just fully exhale and be like oh my god I just did this really hard thing and to be in my own energy like you know in the in the confines of a little shower you know space and just feel like whoa, that was big. And to just, you know, hold my womb and touch my body and be like, whoa, this is just, this is, this has been really big. So that was, that was really beautiful to do. And then, yeah, to then go upstairs to bed with the baby was just like, yeah, wild. Mm, That's so beautiful. Yeah. There's something really powerful with the shower, isn't it? It can just really reset you and clear you. It's so cleansing. Mm. Mm, yeah and water to me has always been the motif like there's a Florence and the Machine song called Never Let Me Go and that song played all the time in my birth because the playlist went forever over and over again Um, but there's a there's a line in that song that says I'm not giving up I'm just giving in and Mm -hmm. she talks a lot about like letting the like the wisdom of the in the arms of the ocean and all of those like that beautiful motif and that just felt like it was just this current that ran through all of the birth experiences and actually one really goosebump moment to add to that is by absolute randomness the exact same song that was playing when my first son was born came on when my second son was born it's a mantra which is aham prema which means i am love and it just repeats that and as when he came out and I realized I was birthing and I was like, holy shit, the song's playing like, whoa, it just, it made me believe more and more and more. Like I've always believed in the magic of birth and and the magic of life and, you know, the, the divineness of it all. But that showed me like, there's so much more at play here because I couldn't have like timed that if I tried like that, the the playlist was on random. Like it was, yeah, I, I was like, wow there's so much magic here wow gives me goosebumps so many times during our conversation I've had goosebumps Mm. now I love your story so magical (laughs) and I couldn't agree more with your midwife that this this is the problem with birthing in the system like birthing in in the hospital system right Mm. is that this would never have happened. This kind of birth would never have been happening if you were in hospital. Mm. In hospital, you never get to see the variations of normal, of physiological birth that can look like this. And it can look like this for days even. And that it's mm. perfectly normal. And that, you know, I love how you come out on the other end after this more challenging birth journey, feeling the empowerment of it and also seeing the beauty and the wisdom, the birth imprint, the lessons you've got. It was so many things throughout this birth journey. It was hard, but it taught you so much mm, about your so capacity, right? Yeah, as a woman, as a mother. Um, the be- the biggest like initiation into this deeper part of myself of like there is so much more that I'm capable of. Like now I feel like I can literally do anything like I I can like I've always known I can do hard things but now I really know I can do hard things and I can come out the other side of that feeling amazing yeah and that that is the gift of like digging deeper within yourself and not looking outside of yourself for help right 
that mm. it's really hard if you're birthed in the hospital because other people around you, midwives, doctors will come at you very aggressively wanting to help you save you from yourself. Whereas, you know, when you have midwives that can hold that physiological space and your husband and people around you, birth workers, that really steps back like she did, like you shared, you know, and just like, you mm. have to go to your depths for this. No one's going to mm. save you. And it's so, there's that's mm. a gift. It's actually a gift to go to, to your deepest, darkest places and then realize that from that place, you, you gather your strength and you surface and you do that really hard, really hard work. Mm. Yeah, people pay a lot of money for it, sitting in, you know, all sorts of medicine ceremonies around the world to yeah. go to <laughs> to go to those places you know it's like just have a baby you get it for free like it, you know it it going going to those places really is a deep spiritual experience and I think that I've always known that and believe that and I definitely had that in my first birth but this second birth above and beyond what a what an amazing beautiful share thank you so much Emma, can you speak to, so you chose to encapsulate your placenta. Do you want to share with any listeners who don't know about that? Why would you choose that? I did it in my first birth as well. I know there's lots of different opinions and lots of different viewpoints on what to do with placentas and lots of different cultures have different things. For me, this just made the, it just landed the most with me. So I did the traditional Chinese medicine approach where they add a few other different herbs to it as well. And I felt like when I did it for the first time around, when they arrived, I felt that sense of energy. I didn't have that kind of massive hormone drop that a lot of women experience. And so, yeah, that's why I chose to do it again the second time around. And the lady who does it did a you know, beautiful placenta print and creates, you know, also it's just a, it's a really beautiful like keepsake. And then the actual, you know, tap pills themselves, I honestly feel like they're like little superpowers of energy. And I guess the theory behind it is that it's such a nutrient-dense organ and, you know, they say it helps with, I mean, they aren't studies necessarily to prove it, but it's, you know, they kind of say that it helps to regulate the hormones and to, you know, bring energy and vitality back, a lot of nutrients back that you can lose during birth and whatnot. So, you know, I, I guess I don't have anything to compare it with because I've done it in both of my pregnancies, but I felt like it helped. And I felt like I could tell the days that I hadn't yet taken my capsule. I'd be like, oh, that's right. I haven't taken this yet. It was, it's kind of like a, like a shot of coffee. I felt like my whole body felt like, oh, this is, this is what I need. So yeah, I chose to do it with both of my pregnancies and yeah, I really loved it as an experience. Thank you for sharing. So if you had a first time mama in front of you right now, who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdoms would you give to her? I would say learn to meditate because when you have a meditation practice or any spiritual practice really that you go to places beyond the mind, like not just meditating, listening to a guided app, like learn a transcendental or that kind of a, a style of meditation that gets you comfortable with the unknown and the and the the um, unboundedness because that is birth. It's going into spaces that aren't guided someone telling you how to breathe or how to feel it's an unbounded space inside of yourself so for me I found that mentally having a meditation practice and being established in that helped me to feel more comfortable in those deeper experiences and then just being really clear with your birth team what you need 
And in the moment, you might that might change. You know, you might say, I, I need heaps of massage and I want touch and I want all these things. And if that's not feeling right in the moment, voice that straight away. No one's going to be mad for how you communicated with them when you were in labor. Like you can say it however you want, but make sure you say it so that it's it's known. You know, I made it very clear to my midwife, like I need the second midwife to be more hands-off because she's lovely and it's, it's, she's a really beautiful person and she's great, but it's not my style. And so that's what I need. But I think a lot of women want to please mm. the midwife or the birth, you know, whoever's there. And so it's like, what do you need? Who are you as a person? What makes you feel safe and supported? What, what would you need if you were running a marathon? What kind of encouragement would you need? Kind of go with that theory, particularly first time around and communicate your needs because not everyone will know exactly what to do. But the more that you can tell them or, you know, guide your partner, whoever, to say, I need this, I need that, that will help, I think, the whole experience play out a lot better. Mm. Thank you so much. I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming on yet again to share your second birth story. So much wisdom. Thank you. Mm, Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.